Hey guys, we are at All-Star Comic Con here. I'm here with one of the 80s legends. and legend of today. Yeah, man. <laughs> Tim Capello, how you doing? How you doing, brother? I'm doing awesome. good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, people might know you from the iconic movie, The Lost Boys. And you were, like, Cheryl is there, like, you know, the, that's clothes you're wearing now, but you were the saxophone player on the beach. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Now, how did that role come, up, come upon you? Uh, I was... I was at the Warner Brothers studio because at the time I was playing with Tina Turner wow. and um, and people would sometimes ask me to, to audition for things. So I was auditioning for the Gary Busey part of Lethal Weapon. Oh, okay. And of course I didn't get it, but some guy I never met, he was, just walked in the room where everybody was and said, you, come with me. <laughs> And he strolled me down the uh, down the hall to Joel Schumacher's office. Wow, nice. And Joel just like stood up, shook my hand and said, you want to sing a song in a movie? And I went, sure. He goes, okay, I'll call you in a couple weeks. And that was it. So it was that simple. So did they know you were a music background at that point? Or? Yeah, yeah, he, he, was, okay. he was a fan of Tina's, so, okay. so he knew who I was. And, you know, I didn't write, I still believe, the song I okay. sang in the movie. Uh, that was written by a guy named Michael Bean. He had a group named The Call. Okay. But um, my guess is that they were, kind of, well, I know that they were kind of a Christian band. Oh, really? So maybe okay. the idea of, he asked them first, but I think the idea of being in a vampire movie maybe wasn't their <laughs> thing, you know? Right. So he needed somebody to do it, and um, it just, it was just dumb luck. You look very um, Christian in this picture here from the movie. You can see, like, kind of like a priest, I guess. <laughs> now, was this your um, look at the time, or, or did they um, create this look for you for the movie? Oh, no, that's what I wore with Tina. That is? Okay, okay. Except for the pants. Okay. You see, they're tie-dyed. Yes. So I just went a little bit more over the top. But <laughs> Tina, Tina got me that cod piece. She okay. thought that was a good idea. Right. <laughs> um, I remember she brought it for me in Berlin. You know, I guess she was going by a sex shop and okay. and said, "Oh, Timmy'd look good in that." So she just went, ran in. So she saw a cop piece, and and she just and she thought said, of you. Yeah, here, put this on. Well, that's a compliment, I guess, right? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. She didn't make it seem like that. She just like, like wear this. <laughs> I can't turn around picking out your cop piece. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So so she did that, and I, and then I decided on the others and the tie dyed stuff. Okay. And um, these are like Home Depot chains. Really? Okay. Dollar sixty five a yard and uh, I, I don't know it's just stuff I just started experimenting with now are you surprised at how iconic the movie has become over the years yeah, and it's very much so I just did it it took about two or three hours to do okay um, what's that no it was a short short shoot then. it was a really short okay. shoot like like nothing I've ever experienced before and and I just I was home the next day I just went okay and then it came out, and everybody in my family was going, boy, you were in that for like 15 seconds. <laughs> so I thought nothing of it. Yeah. And now it's 32 years later, and I'm sitting here talking to you. We're still talking about it. Yes. Little two hours of, uh, <laughs> of something. You know, I, I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind until people started calling me and saying, oh, you want to come do this? You want to do a convention? You want to okay. play a show? So I'm pretty happy about it. I, I made a record a couple months ago, awesome. put it out, and um, so 
so I'm doing a tour this year. Wow, very nice. And uh, so, you know, at a, at, it didn't seem to mean too much to people like right when I did it, okay. or even like 10 or 20 years later, but about three or four years ago, I don't know why, it could have been the Saturday Night Live thing, okay. that uh, uh, Sergio thing that they did, um, where they sort of, you know, did a send-up of my character. <laughs> um, that might have helped, yeah. but for some reason, it just uh, it just all changed. That's great. So you didn't have any actual interactions with the cast of um, of Lost Boys, did you? Well, all the people that were in that scene. Right. After we finished the scene, as I told you, it was so quick. Mostly because you know all those crazy people that were in the audience, yes, like doing the on the beach, yes, yes, and yes, all that stuff. <laughs> they go there every night. Oh, that's so they didn't they're locals. get extras. Okay, they just they were at that pier grooving to some band because Santa Cruz is a wild town. Yeah. I've been there where they filmed it at. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm going. I'm going there this summer to play. Oh, awesome! For okay. the first time in 32 years, I'll wow. be back in Santa Carla. So awesome. come out to the Blue Lagoon and see me <laughs> in Santa. Carla. <laughs> so, so you get to uh, to meet um, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Yeah, and all that Corey thing. Haim was there that night. Feldman I didn't meet okay. till last year. Okay. And it was funny because I had never met him before, and he and you know he's got a band and everything, yeah. and he he came up to me and he said, "Dude, I hate your guts." He said, <laughs> "Everywhere I go." He said, I was like one of the stars of that movie. Yeah. Everywhere I go, everybody goes, what's the sax player like? Is he really weird? <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> says, I hate you. <laughs> so I said, sorry about that. <laughs> I don't know. But we had a party after the shoot in Corey Haim's room. Oh, nice. And um, everybody that was in the scene that night, you know, so Michael and Star yeah. and Corey and, and everybody that was there, uh, and we were like blasting the music. They called the cops on us. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Corey went to the Corey went to the door, and he sweet talked these cops. <laughs> you know, you know what yeah. a, a totally charming yeah. kid he was. So he was in real life, just like how he, he exactly character. Yeah. Fact, he knew it. He knew right. he had that. Right. Before he went to the to the door, he knew it was the cops. We all knew. Before he went to the door. He goes, watch this. And he goes to the door and he was like, oh, officer, oh, were we making too much? I'm so, so sorry. And the cops had their arms around them. Really? And they were like, oh, just try not to, just turn it down a little bit, all right? He uh. closed that door and he was like, crank it up. <laughs> it's a total, total like, charmer. That's he awesome. was just the coolest, oh. the coolest guy. Uh, rest in peace, man. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Now I heard there. Man. I heard they're thinking, or they're they're planning on bringing back, uh, making a Lost Boys series. I heard. Have you? What have you heard about it? Tell me what you. Know. I heard like they were going to have like the Frog Sisters instead of the Frog Brothers. Right. Right. But, but I'm not sure if they're going to do like a continuation or it's going to be a total reboot. So I'm not I, sure. I heard it was a prequel. A prequel? Possible. I don't know. It was a prequel. It might be. You know, um, 
And and you know, uh, G. Tom Mack, right? Gerard McMahon, who wrote Cry Little Sister. Okay, yeah. He's got the rights to do a Broadway show, so he's written all the songs for it, and he's pitching it on Broadway. It may just be a CW series and a Broadway show at the same time. Wow, that'd be so awesome. So we'll see. Well, if for any reason the series, they offer you uh, to come back and reprise that iconic character, if it's, it's going to be like a sequel, would you do it? In about a second and a half, yeah. okay. I would be on that plane. That's awesome. <laughs> now, so, if anybody that's working for CW, I'm there, baby. Second I'm and a half. He's done. I've still got a little bit of it. I mean, he I'm, still has the guns, I'm right? Before, but I still he got still a has got the guns. You got to give me a couple months for that. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, iconic work with Tina Turner. You know, with the Thunderdome uh, movie. Um, what was it like working with Tina? And like, how did you get picked for that? Well, uh, uh, um, uh, I had a friend who was a, a drummer, a very successful drummer, like played with Linda Ronstadt, James Taylor, Steely Dan, Aretha Franklin, all these great people. And he and um, and I went to school with his brother, who's also a very famous drummer, yeah. who got me the gig with Peter Gabriel. Okay. And he had played with him. Uh, their, their names are Jerry and Ricky Murata. And um, Tina's manager... Um, called Ricky because he knew everybody in town and he said do you know anybody that plays saxophone and then he said do you know anybody that plays keyboards he said well I know somebody that plays both so if you hire him you can save yourself half the money so they went sure (laughs) so I guess I kind of had the job but at the time it was just before What's Love Got to Do With It took off. Right. So we were playing McDonald's conventions. Wow. Like, you know, like places like this where you'd be yeah. at a hotel and it was all like skits, people dressed up like hamburgers and stuff. And then Tina would play like 20 minutes. Yeah. And, and, um, and this was just as, and even when that song broke, even when that song went like to number one, we still had all these contracts to play these little tiny McDonald's conventions and these little tiny casinos way out in the middle of nowhere. And so it went from like, in three months, it went to playing for like 150 people to playing for like 15, 20,000. That's gotta be crazy. It was crazy, it was crazy. But you know what? She'd already been through it. You know how, like I, I played with a couple of people who, it kind of like that fame got in their way. You know what I mean? It sort of messed them up a little bit. It made it difficult. They got into drugs or whatever. But Tina, she just knew it was going to happen. She just like, this is what, this is where I should be. I'm going to work my butt off to see that I get there. And when it happens, I'm not going to screw it up. And that's what she did. She just thought of it like, okay, there's my house in the south of France. I'm having a ball every night. I mean, she was perfect every night. Not one dance step missed. Not one note out of tune. Never. The best best legs, too. You know, (laughs) seriously, the woman, not only incredible legs, but I remember one time, this was before she was super, super famous, but she was already in her mid-40s. Right. You, uh, only, only people that really work out, bodybuilders, know about this. But she had a, she had a uh, you know, we'd be in back of her, and she had a little mini dress on, 
and her, it was a backless. Yes. You know what a Christmas tree is? A Christmas tree is where you have the muscles in your back and they're shaped like oh, a Christmas okay, yeah. tree. She I don't never, have that. She never worked out. I don't have it. She worked yeah. out. She didn't work out at all. All she did was did some dance, dancing, okay. dancing yeah. every night, rehearsing, right? Rehearsing the dances, uh, sound checking, doing all that stuff. She had a Christmas tree. I was like, you got to be kidding. I've been trying to get one of those for six years now. Well, so on what songs can you hear your um, saxophone playing in? Oh, my saxophone? Yeah. Well, I would like to let everybody know that I'm playing with the, uh, have you ever heard of a group called the Gunship? No. Gunship, it's a, it's a new style of music, which is 80s futuristic. And it, the song is called Dark All Day, and it's me and a singer named Indiana, who's awesome, and this incredible English group called the Gunship, and we did a video of it. And the whole time during the video, it's raining blood. And the video is incredible. It's half animated, and then it goes to live action. Okay. So check it out. It's called Dark All Day by Gunship. It went, it started. These guys are amazing, and I'm so glad I hooked up with them. They, um, it started on the electronic charts. It, it started in at number one in the US, the UK, and Australia. So I, and they just sent me another tune, so I'm so psyched that I'm gonna be playing, doing some more stuff with them, because they are awesome. What's your favorite songs of all time that you worked on? One of the Living. Okay. That was from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Awesome. The big song from Mad Max was, of course, We Don't Need Another Hero. Yes. But check out one called One of the Living. We did it in an abandoned prison wow. in Philadelphia. And the, and you'll see it. It's like, it's so like apocalyptic. But they didn't have to change one thing. And it's, it's like a real rock and roll tune. So I think you'll dig it. It's, it's one of those tunes that Tina just loves to just break out and just jam on. She's so... Mwah, she's so fantastic on that too. <laughs> well, if you had one person you could work with in the industry now, who would it be? One person yeah. now? Or, or, or even before, who's retired or dead or whatever. This of all, of all time, one person you could have worked with, living or dead. You know, I would have liked, there was one thing that Tina did with uh, David Bowie. Okay. And we got a chance to work with him a little bit because they were singing together and they were using, you know, Tina's band. Yeah. And he was a great band leader as well. Tina was a great band leader, but but he did it a little differently. He would actually like show you what to play and show you the vibe that he wanted. I would have liked to have worked a little more with him. And the other thing that it was a shame that it never happened. But Tina was going to go on the road with Elton John, and oh, they were wow. going to do a tour together. Yeah. And it was going to be half her band and half his band. The Rocket and, Man. And I was <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to be one of the people chosen to do that. And we were playing 
Have you ever heard of those divas uh, shows on VH1? Yeah, yeah. In the 90s? So we did one together, and Tina and, and Elton, was Elton was playing, um, was playing piano for Tina. So we were, we were doing the show, and then they got into a little squabble, and it was such a shame because we were going to go on Oprah the next day, and we were going to do this whole big long tour. Wait, Tina and Elton got into a, a beef? They got into a oh. little squabble. Yeah, so I guess they decided that for them it wasn't the right mixture. But they're both two big divas, so it's hard to well, have them know, in the same room, I guess. That's true, but I have to just say, I felt she was, uh, she, he was playing piano for, for her. Okay. And she had, we had just lost, uh, he had passed away, Tina's right-hand man uh. named Kenny Moore. He had played with her for 20 years, okay. and he was from that gospel tradition. Yes. He came up with James Cleveland. He was like playing with Billy Preston when Billy Preston was still a gospel player. So he knew that stuff inside and out. Okay. So he had just passed away. So I think anybody sitting in that piano chair would have caught a little bit of flack. Okay. And I think it was just, she was just upset because he, he had passed and she just sort of said, no, don't do it like that, do it like this. And that, that pissed him off. And, uh, and, okay, okay. But we, we, we all just looked at each other and went, oh that man. That could have been so great. Oh, oh man. <laughs> so that was one of my biggest okay, regrets. Okay. Well, you told me before the interview about this um, saxophone. Yes. It's not the original from the Lost Boys. Can you tell us what happened to that? Well, if you'll, well, I guess I guess you guys can't see this, yeah. but at the time, I was a little rough on my saxophones. If you see this, see you see it that it's it's got this, um, it's it's sort of like got a bar going across. Yes, yes. Because every time I would play it, I would hit it so hard that this would go all the way down. Oh, really? And I almost, you're too strong. I almost broke it. <laughs> so they put that thing on to help it, and then. I love the horn, but then when when Johnny Carson left the Tonight Show, one of his saxophone players in the Doc Severinsen Orchestra was selling his horn. They were all retiring, okay. and I snapped it up. I was just in the right place at the right time, and I and I played that next horn for a good 10, 12 years until we were playing a gig in Miami and somebody stole it out of the trunk. Oh, so this oh, yeah. is two horns after the Lost Boys. But I love it. I went through every horn in New York City and this one is a real rock and roll horn. <laughs> it's more of a rock and roll horn. It's easy to hit the high, real high notes. This one was a, a great horn, but it had a little bit more of a jazzy sound. Okay. So. I'm, pro I'm probably just trying to make myself feel better <laughs> for getting the horn Sorry. stolen, uh, uh, but but I do like this horn. Any chance to hear something quick on there? Uh, no, because this yeah. is a dummy read. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, because I keep taking pictures with people, yes, yes. and I don't want them to scratch my okay, good read okay. for tonight because I'm playing a show. Oh, you're playing here tonight. Yeah, okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I've, I've got a... I, oh, I'm going to plug something. Yeah, definitely, my please. My new album. It's called Blood on the Reed, and I'm going to be touring all over the U.S. Where can we find this? All, all over, any place. Okay. On my Facebook page, on my website, um, you can find it just, you know, any of the uh, Spotify or 
any of that stuff. It's on all of the streaming services. Uh, or you can get a signed copy from me on my website, timcapello.com. And I'm going to be playing some tunes from that record, of course. I've got a new seven-minute version on there of I Still Believe oh, with a lot awesome. more saxophone jamming on it. And we hear that tonight? And you're going to hear that tonight. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Tim. Tim Capella right here right. from the Lost Boys, from Tina Turner, Yeah. from everything. <laughs> it's awesome to hear from you. Can you just let us know who you are? Say so you're listening to Below the Belt Show. You're on Below the Belt, on the belt, below the belt Show. You're on Below the Belt Show with Tim Capella from the Lost Boys. It's a pleasure talking to you. You got a good bunch of people here, and I'll see you guys when I'm touring around this summer, 2019. I'm coming to a city right near you. All right, man. All right, Tim. Thank Bye -bye. you so much, man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.